or Joshua chapter 3, sorry, in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the, ba- the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hereto afore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua speak unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still. In Jordan, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of all the tribes, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the Jordans, the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as that they bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea field, and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Are those verses amazing? Every single verse is amazing. It may not be my title this morning. But I do just want to preach on this thought this morning. It's time for the people of God to get their feet wet and say, Roll, Jordan, roll. It's time for the people of God to say, Roll, Jordan, roll. Can somebody say amen this morning? This has to be some of my favorite Bible stories this morning. This has to be some of my favorite portions of Scripture These are scriptures you can probably tell by the name of our son Canaan that for me and Lyd they hold a very close place in our heart. The stories of the wilderness wanderings, the stories of the twelve spies, the ten that were bad 
and the two that were good. Many times from this pulpit, the cry of Joshua and Caleb that we are well able to go up and take the land. Friends, many times, friends, from this pulpit, friends, that, friends, about the possessing of Canaan's land and about the impossible, the possibility and the availability of the promises of God. The children of Israel at this time are crossing over Jordan to get their inheritance. And this morning, just like the children of Israel, you and I have an inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's no coincidence that Jesus Christ was baptized in the river Jordan. He's a type of that ark that went before the people of God and he opened it as it was a way into the promised land that you and I may have our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And this morning I just want to echo some of the thoughts that the pastor brought a few weeks ago about the life of Elisha. And in Tim's words, there was a cry for a move from God. There was a cry for a double portion from this man. There was a man that had slain his oxen. He had burnt his ply from a man that had completely sold out and was focused on God. He had followed the master wherever he had went. He went to Bethel, to Jericho, and then now he was at this Jordan, friends, where he would cry out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, it comes to him, said he comes to this place like the children of Israel called the Jordan. Tim told us it was a significant place in the Bible. He told us it was a significant place in the history of Israel. But just like Elijah, God was bringing us, his people, to that promised land. He was bringing them to the point of bringing them over. He went on to say Jordan is significant corporately and individually, that it is a place we have come to. It's a place that we are familiar with. It's a place that we can identify with corporately and individually. We have come to a place that we can say we've come to a place that is called the Jordan. There's Jordans in our lives. There's Jordans in our homes. There's circumstances and situations seen beyond our control. But friends, I believe it's time for the people of God to get their feet wet this morning and say, Roll, Jordan, roll. I know that many can typify Jordan as being death, being death for the believer and crossing over into the promised land. And that can be applicable this morning, I suppose. But I think in the truest sense, Jordan was that barrier, that hindrance that they passed over to get into the promised land this morning. You see, this Jordan River, we know the people of God had already come to the Red Sea. We know that God Almighty had already delivered them with an outstretched arm out of Egypt. We know, friends, the Red Sea, they God had brought them to the Red Sea and directed them in a course that they did not understand. But blindly by faith, Moses was led and he came to the Red Sea. The Red Sea was in front of them and God told them the, the Egyptian army was behind them and mountain ranges were on both sides of them. And we know the story well how God told Moses to still the people. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we know that God did a great miracle that day. He delivered three million people in one night. He rescued them from the bondage of Pharaoh. He brought them out with a strong 
strong arm, he brought them through a wilderness. And with the supernatural provision of God, he fed them with manna from heaven. He clothed them 40 years in a wilderness. He put sandals upon their feet and their feet never got a blister on it at all. He gave them thousands of liters of water in one day that flowed from a rock. And the Bible tells us that that rock was the person of the Jesus Christ. He led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Friends, isn't it amazing, friends, that not one hair on their head was harmed, friends? Isn't it amazing this morning, the almighty God that we serve, that loves us, that keeps us, that provides for us, that makes a way where there seems no other way. Friends, we need to get our feet wet and we need to say this morning, roll, Jordan, roll. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, these people, friends, they arrive at another body of water. It's a violent river. It's a swirling river. And it's a river at this time the Bible tells us is in upheaval. Joshua tells us it overflowed its banks all the time of harvest. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, we're living in days that iniquity, iniquity is flooding its banks. We're living in dark days. We're living in the last of the last days. We're living in days of ungodliness. We're living in days of lawlessness. We're living on the edge of a society that is beginning to overflow the banks of God's laws and God's judgments this morning. Do we see, friends, the day in which we're in? Do we see that it's harvest time? Do we see that the fields are white on the harvest, but the laborers are few? Do we see that God is longing, longing to bring that mighty harvest in? Do we see the time and the day in which we're in? Jordan overflowed its banks, but all the while God is getting ready to bring his people in to the promised land. They're crossing Jordan in a time of harvest to get their inheritance. Friends, this morning you and I have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Him, that He's given us all the power over the power of the enemy this morning, that we've been delivered from the powers of darkness, that we're washed in His precious blood, that we're sons of Almighty God, that He's given us an authority and a power over all the powers of the enemy this morning. Friends, the promised land is Christ this morning. It's His life. It's His power. It's everything that He says He'll be within us. And God is saying, enter in to the fullness of everything that I have for you. But in front of this people, there's a Jordan. And whenever they looked at it, it was raging. It was out of its banks. It was violent. It was intimidating. And I'm sure they were wondering how in the world are we ever going to get over this water? How are we ever going to get over this barrier? How are we ever going to overcome this obstacle? How are we ever going to hurdle over this hindrance this morning? It seemed like an impossibility. It seemed like there was no way they could get over this river. And that's maybe where you are in your life this morning. You're sitting in this, in this service and you're looking at an impossibility. You're looking at an obstacle. You're looking at a hindrance that's much like this Jordan River this morning. Maybe it's a financial difficulty. The debts are high and the funds are low. Does anybody know what that's like this morning? The debts are high, but the funds are low. It's maybe, friends, you've lost your job this morning. Maybe you need a job this morning. Maybe you, this morning you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe you don't know how, friends, how you're, how you're going to pay the mortgage this morning. It could be this morning you're battling in your body with a physical ailment.
ailment. Maybe it's a terminal disease. But you look at the circumstance in your life and you stand on the dry ground of the east shore and you think, how in the world am I going to get through this problem? How am I going to get through this difficulty this morning? Maybe a spiritual problem. You may feel dead. You may feel dry. You may feel forsaken of God. You may feel lonely this morning. And the tarrant of monotony has got you convinced that living for God is just a monotonous life. It may be you're going through just the cycle of complacency. You're lethargic. You're apathetic. You're singing your songs. But your heart's not in them. You're praying your prayers. But your heart's not in them. You're coming to church. But your heart's not in it. Maybe you feel today like you're the slave to the status quo. But I want to tell you today, I don't want to become a slave to the status quo this morning. I don't want to come and be bound by the menace of mediocrity to dominate my life. Even though in my life before me is that swirling, intimidating river of trouble. Friends, I want to tell you on the other side of that river this morning is a promise. On the other side of that river this morning is victory. On the other side side of that river is deliverance on the other side of that river is salvation this morning on the other side of that river this morning is help from God friends it's time for the people of God to get their feet wet and say roll Jordan roll friends we've got to know this morning that God has us in the right place at the right time it was the time of the harvest. Friends, we got to know this morning we're living in a day not only of change, but of rapid change. we got to know the pace is picking up towards the final judgments and the coming of the Lord. we got to know that time, like a river, has a current. Some would call these times trends. Others would call them movements. But you and I know the trends of the times are actually prophetic signs. The Lord told us these times would come. There'd be a great shaking of the nations. Earthquakes in diverse places. Wars and rumors of wars. The current of the river of time is accelerating and moving the world and the church towards its climatic end. When King Jesus returns to rule and reign, every believer needs to know that God has us at the right time and at the right place. Friends, we're living in the days when the purpose and plans of God for His church will come to their conclusion. The days when the mighty promises of God will be fulfilled and when the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out on all flesh. These are the days, friends, when the times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. We are in a time when every believer should be shaking off the weights and the sins that so easily beset them. We should be putting on the whole armor of God and preparing for the final battle against the flesh the world and the devil. Friends, we've got to awake from our spiritual slumber. We've got to be like those five virgins and trim our lamps and they'll be full with reserve oil because the call has already come. The bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is we are no longer living in normal times, not for the culture, not for the nation, not for the world. And not for the church. It's a transition time when rapid changes will come. It's a time of transition for the people of God. And so that we would know how to face our transition times as a church. The Lord preserved in scripture this episode of the children of Israel transitioning from the wilderness to the promised land. You see Jordan was more than a boundary. The Jordan was more than a barrier. 
The Jordan was a place of transition when the people of God would move from one shore to the other shore. You see, throughout Scripture, rivers are used to illustrate God's divine truth. In Habakkuk 3 and verse 9, the Word of God speaks of judgment in terms of an overflowing river. Isaiah speaks of peace and prosperity like a river and glory like a flowing stream in Isaiah 66 and 12. The psalmist speaks of a river that would make glad the city of God this morning. And in John 7 and 37, when Jesus painted an illustration to show us about the power of the mighty Holy Ghost baptism, he said this, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Ezekiel tells us there is a river that will flow from the temple in the kingdom age when the Lord returns. That river shall flow from the temple. It shall hit the Dead Sea and it will make everything live this morning. Revelation tells us that right now there's a river that flows from God's throne and wherever that river goes it brings life. How many of us have been touched by that river this morning? How many of us have been touched by that divine power. How many have been touched by the same glory of the Most High this morning? Friends, if you get touched by that river today, you've got life in it, but not just normal life, not just average life, but friends, I want to tell you, you've got life in it, and it's more abundant. But out of all the rivers mentioned in Scripture, none of these rivers illustrates more the divine revelation of what God wants to give to the believer than the river Jordan. Jordan is mentioned 175 times in the Old Testament and 50 times in the New. The river Jordan is where Abraham and Lot parted company. The river Jordan is where Jacob wrestled with an angel and transitioned into Israel. It was a stream that was coming from the Jordan called the river Jabbok. And it's here that an angel of God came down and wrestled with Jacob all night long. And when he was, and when day was breaking and Jacob wouldn't let go, when the sun was coming up and Jacob wouldn't let go, when there had been an all night struggle and Jacob wouldn't let go. In fact, the angel of the Lord told Jacob time and time again, Jacob, you've got to let me go. Jacob, you've got to let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Jacob was in a place where he was changing. He was in a place of transitioning. He had just come from 14 years of laboring with his father-in-law. Now he was facing a brother that hated him. A brother that vowed to destroy him. But Jacob knew he needed to find help outside of all his own abilities. All the troubles and stripes in his life. All the twists and all the turns in Jacob. But Jacob knew at this point in his life, he couldn't make it without the help of an almighty God. So all night long he said, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. What a cry, friends. Folks, we need to have that cry in this hour. We need to have that kind of determination this morning. Because I believe that not far up ahead, conditions are going to develop that are so serious. People are going to have to understand. We're not going to make it in our own education. We're not going to make it because of our position this morning. We're not going to make it this morning because of our social status, friends. We're not going to make it because of our bank account count this morning, but we're going to have to realize in this hour of great transition, we're going to have to realize that we need help from an almighty God. We got to go at the altar and say, I'm not getting up 
after five minutes. We've got to get to an altar and say, I'm not getting up after ten minutes, but I'm going to stay here until I know that I am blessed, until I know that I am changed. And that's exactly what Jacob did. He wrestled with God all night long. He went down to the ground, Jacob, and he came up Israel, a prince with God. Jacob's first name meant deceiver. It meant surplanter. His name reveals his character. His name reveals his nature. But his nature was changed when he got a hold of a supernatural being. Can somebody say amen this morning? Can somebody say amen? You see, our natures are changed when we get a hold of God and God gets a hold of us. Jacob's nature was turned around when he finally said, I am determined that things have got to change in me. It was at Jordan that he learned that he needed to get alone with God. It was at Jordan that he learned that he had to wrestle with God. It was at Jordan that he learned that he was a cripple and powerless without God. And it was here that he learned he needed to change his behavior and get a new name. Listen, things have got to change in us before they ever change anywhere else. The Lord gave him a new name and called him Israel as a prince thou hast prevailed with God. Where did this transition happen? It happened at the river Jordan. Jordan is where Elijah boarded a heavenly chariot and dropped his mantle and Elisha picked it up and received a double portion. Jordan is where Naaman dipped seven times and lost his leprosy. Jordan is where John the Baptist caused Israel to repent, preaching to them, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. It was at the Jordan Jesus began his ministry. And when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the Spirit of God came upon him in a dove-like fashion, and the voice of heaven spoke and said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Jordan is always the place that God has brought his people to experience a transition. Jordan is also where monumental battles were fought. It was where Ehud, the judge, defeated the Moabites. It was where Gideon defeated the Midianites. It was where King Saul defeated the Moabites, where David defeated the Syrians. Jordan always factored in God's battle plans to defeat his enemies and end the threats against his people. Jordan is the place where strife reached fever pitch among the tribes of Israel. Jordan is where the Ephraimites and the Gideonites clashed and slaughtered each other. It was where Sheba rebelled against David. Jordan always symbolizes strife and rebellion that must be conquered if the promises of God are to be fulfilled. Jordan is amply named. The name Jordan itself means the descender, the diner, the depressor. The river descends from Mount Hermon down to the Red Sea of Gal or down to the Sea of Galilee. And once it comes out of the Sea of Galilee, the, the current greatly increases. It goes through 27 terrible rapids and cascades and over a fall of a thousand feet high eventually into the Dead Sea. Always the Jordan flows down. Always it's descending. And I want to tell you this morning it, it empties itself into the Dead Sea. And I want to tell you this morning that's the devil's desire this morning. That's the devil's plan. That's the profile of the adversary, he wants to empty all of the promises of God into the Dead Sea. I need you to hear me this morning. The people of Israel are come down to the river Jordan where the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. But Jordan is swelling. It's puffing out its chest. 
It's, it's saying to you and I this morning, it's outside its banks. It's saying, I'm getting ready to take your promise this morning. I'm getting ready to put it in the Dead Sea. But God said, if you'll trust me this morning, if you will obey me and step out into that water where it doesn't look like there's any way I can make a way this morning. But friends, the devil would like to take your promise and he'd like to empty it into the Dead Sea. When you look at the river, it's swelling and it's puffing out its chest. Say, I know he promised Abraham 400 years ago, but what promise? But God's saying, if you'll do all that I say, I'll empty the devil's lives into the Dead Sea. As we read in our text, it says the waters were pushed back all the way to, back to the city of Adam, all the way back to the beginning. And God says, I can restore and I will restore the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm have eaten because I am God. God will bring it all back, friends. He says, I'll bring it all the way back to Adam this morning. The children of Israel, their dream is just a stone's throw away. And it was the plan of God and it was the will of God for them not to stay with their feet dry on the east shore. There was a plan for the children of God in the promised land. God knew all about it even before he spoke the promise to Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. God knew the plan this morning. God knew that on that other shore in Jericho, there was a harlot called Rahab that would give her life to the Lord. God knew that there in that line there would be an Abraham, an Isaac, a Jacob. He knew there'd be a Ruth, a Jesse, a Solomon, a King David. And God also knew that finally, over in that promised land in a little town called Bethlehem, Ephrata, there would be a virgin who would conceive and bring forth a baby boy. And his name would be called Jesus and he would save his people from their sins. Listen to me this morning. He didn't come to save you in your sin. Jesus came to save you out of your sin because he said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Friends, God knew all about it. God knew all about the sin problem this morning. He knew about the incarnation. He knew about a hill called Golgotha. He knew about a mount called Calvary. He knew about the Son of God that would give his life as a ransom for this world. He knew all about the Jordan. Friends, God has a plan, friends. He knew all about it. He knew all about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he knew in an upper room the Holy Ghost would fall on the day of Pentecost and they would all be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. The Bible says they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind and they were all filled in the house where they were sitting. God knew that that day was coming. God knew that day when they crossed that river that there was going to be a triumphant church, friends, full of the Holy Ghost and full of power this morning. I want to tell you this morning, I'm glad that I'm part of that church. I'm glad that I'm not part of a defeated church. I'm glad I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ this morning. But we stand with our feet dry on the banks of the east shore and in front of us a river of trouble, a violent, raging trouble, swirling waters of upheaval. And this morning one thing is going to happen. Either you're going to be an overcomer or you're going to be overcome. Either you're going to be declared a victor 
or you're going to be declared a victim this morning. And here you stand. The only thing between you and your promise is a river of trouble, of difficulty, a river of hurt, a river of so many things. And I can name all the rivers this morning until I get your river. But friends, God didn't save us to make statues out of us. He saved us to be soldiers. He saved us to be sojourners. He saved us to purchase the promises of God this morning. And here we are in this meeting this morning. We want God to do it all for us. Make it easy for me, Lord. Take out the risk in my experience. Lord, do you really want me to step out into that flooded, rushing river this morning? That swift river, that violent river. We're saying this morning, Lord, do you really want me to step out in faith? I've come to tell you this morning, yes, he does. It's time for you to get out of the boat. It's time to get off the bank. And it's time to get into the water. We criticize the apostle Peter. We preach him up and down. But friends, one thing I do know. He got out of the boat and he walked on water. You say, friends, that's an impossibility. You say it's an impossible impossibility to see God move in my situation. You say it's impossible for God to move in my circumstance. You say it's impossible to see souls saved. It's impossible to see revival where souls are saved and the church grows. But I want to tell you this morning, get off the boat. Get out of the boat. Get off the bank. Get in the water and watch what God will do with your life this morning. Friends, the Jordan must be overcome. The Jordan must be crossed. We have a personal Jordan that we've got to get over before we're ever going to inherit the promises of God. You see, we can get over Jordan and we can have joy unspeakable and full of Jordan. If we get over Jordan, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. If we get over Jordan, we can be blessed coming in. And we can be blessed going out. If we can get over our personal Jordan this morning. The Jordan of doubt. The Jordan of fear. The Jordan of unbelief. I believe as a church we can enter in the powerful time at the end of 2019. We've got to get over Jordan. We've got to overcome. How do we overcome this personal Jordan that we face? Verse 15 tells us the Jordan overflowed its banks all the time of harvest. Much was being destroyed by a flooding Jordan. But friends, it was at that time that the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It was at that time when the current was at its swiftest. It was at that time when the river was the most dangerous. It was at that moment when the situation couldn't get any worse that a word came forth from the Lord. The Lord said, Joshua, I want to tell you something. Now arise, therefore, and go over this Jordan. Can you help me this morning? Can you say it with me this morning? God said, arise, therefore, and go over this Jordan. You see, friends, God chose the worst of times, the worst of times, to take his people over. We are in the most dangerous times of all history. The Antichrist culture is on the rise apostasy is rampant in every denomination the family unit is considered obsolete marriage has been discarded immorality violence and hatred are at an all-time high friends what i'm telling you trying to tell you this morning is that evil and wickedness are at an all-time high friends i have to tell you this morning the time in which we're in. I don't think I have to this morning. But it's at such times, friends, the Bible tells me when the enemy 
comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But it's at such times God says, Arise, therefore, and go over this Jordan. It's at such times God pours out his Spirit on all flesh. It's at such times miracles happen. It's at such times people will be swept into the kingdom of God. It's at such times people will be healed. It's at such times people will be saved, delivered, and set free. It's at such times, friends, the Lord will do the impossible in our circumstances and make us more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. We need to say it one more time. God said, you need to arise and go over this Jordan. There's a barrier. There's an obstacle. There are hindrances, there are enemies, but now is the time to arise and go over this Jordan. The people of God, they are in a time of transition, and the instructions that God gave Joshua are also relevant for us in this time. Joshua 3 and 5, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The children of Israel hadn't heard anything like this for 40 years. They had seen no great victories in 40 years. They had seen no great miracles bar the daily manna that fell from heaven. But now God said, is the time to arise and go over this Jordan, for I am about to do great wonders among you. But there's just one thing you can't do. You can't go over in the condition that you're in. There's got to be some changes You've got to sanctify yourself. That word sanctify means to be set apart. The Lord was calling them to come out from among them and be ye separate. They had to get rid of all their baggage. They had to be clean before the Lord. It took them three days to get themselves in order. It took them three days to set themselves apart. But after three days of being sanctified, they were ready to go over Jordan. Friends, who needs a personal revival this morning? Who needs a fresh touch from God? A personal revival where we get everything in proper priority. A revival where we start seeking God first and His righteousness. And His Word says, all these things shall be added unto you. But friends, we don't have to wait long for God to move. God said, sanctify yourself. And tomorrow, not next week, not next year, tomorrow I will do wonders amongst you. I want you to know this morning the people of God are about to cross over their Jordan. We're about to cross over the current of time, the current of space, and we're about to cross over into something of a revival of God's power. And in the midst of that revival, the glorious church is going to hear Jesus summon us to a meeting in the air. Friends, do you hear me this morning? It's not some distant dream. It's not some far-fetched fantasy. It's God's divine plan and purpose to take you and I over into our personal promise. But here, there had to be something more than just sanctifying. There had to be something more than just the outward. There had to be something that they could focus on. And the Lord told them the the object they were to focus on was to be the Ark of the Covenant. God said to the people, you just look at it. You just give it a space of about 2,000 cubits behind it. But he said the priests have got to get out there. And they've got to raise the ark upon their shoulders. Friends, the Bible tells us that all of us that believe in Jesus, all of us that have been born again, repented of our sin, and have our names written in the Lamb's book of life, that we are priests. In fact, it tells us that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 
So God said, after you sanctify yourselves, you've got to get under the ark and you've got to raise the ark up. You see, friends, because the ark just wasn't some sort of religious relic, it wasn't to be just something to be gazed at and admired. The ark of God gave spiritual solutions and divine revelations to his people. The ark was the embodiment of God's glory. The ark was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It contained the rod of God, which is the power of God. It had the tablets of stone, which were written by the finger of God. That is his word that you hold in your lap this morning and a golden pot of manna, manna that never grew stale, manna that never grew old because there's something about the Ark of the Covenant. It was surrounded by the glory of the Lord and the glory of the Lord, friends, I want to tell you, the glory of the Lord, the glory of Christ this morning keeps everything fresh. That's why we've got to have the glory this morning just to keep our experience fresh. We've got to get in contact with Jesus once again. We've got to get our relationship with the Lord. We can't let it grow steel. We've got to get the glory and we've got to keep the fire burning. We've got to get the glory to keep the joy flowing in our spirit. We've got to get the joy to keep our experience fresh. Friends, we're not remembering something from the past, but we're proceeding to the future. We're not rehashing something from yesterday, but we are here because God has said that he has a new thing in store for every one of us. But here we are, and God has said he'll do a new thing for each and and every one of us. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The ark was crowned with the mercy seat and stained with the atoning blood. It had the golden cherubims mounted on either side of it. It had almost been immobile for 40 years. It had led the way through the wilderness for a past generation, but had virtually been ignored for the past 40 years. At one time, it was central to the life of every Hebrew, but during the 40 years of wandering the wilderness, it almost was deemed irrelevant. But if the children of God are going to get out of the wilderness, if the children of God are going to get over that Jordan, if they're going to get into the promised land, they're going to have to revive the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to have to revive the glory once again. They're going to have to focus on the glory one more time. We've got to get back in touch with Jesus. We've got to lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset us. We've got to stop playing the games of religion. We've got to pursue Jesus. We've got to lay hold of eternal life. We've got to press in and press through. And we're not to sleep and slumber, friends. We're not to let it all overcome us, but we've got to get in touch with Jesus once again. Friends, I don't need to spend 10 minutes telling you about the importance of getting alone with God. But if we're ever going to receive everything that we need for this hour, We're going to have to realign our focus back on the glory. The word, the power, and the provision. That golden pot of manna that meant that God would provide. So friends, that rod that meant the power of God would go with them. Friends, let me tell you this morning, if we've got the power, the word, and the provision, the Bible says we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We've got to get our eyes back on Jesus. We've got to get our eyes off the problem and on the problem solver. We've got to get our eyes off the situation and the one and put them on the one that can change the situation. They had to raise it up. They had to lift it up. 
They had to rest it upon their shoulders. The staff went through the rings, which meant it had to be lifted up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. If, they, if we're ever to get over our Jordan, if we're ever to get over our difficulties, if we're ever to get over the conditions and situations that arise, we've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord. We can't go on someone else's experience. We can't go on mom and dad's experience. Although they might have had a wonderful, they might have been wonderful people. They might have had an amazing prayer life, friends. But friends, we've got to have a prayer life of our own. We've got to make contact with the glory. We've got to make personal contact with Jesus once again. We must spend time in his presence. We must rebuild that relationship that will bring us through every trial and every storm. You see, once we've made contact with the glory, we won't be afraid to make contact with troubled waters. Because the Bible says when they picked up that ark, they were ready to step into the Jordan. Joshua 3 and verse 8, And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Even for the priests carrying the ark, there would be no miracle until they were in the Jordan. You see, we can get in the house and we can be so filled with wisdom and we can be so filled with the word and so touched by the anointing of God. But all of that doesn't mean there'll be a miracle in your job tomorrow. All of that doesn't mean there'll be a miracle in your home or in your family. None of that means there'll be a miracle among your children. But what we've got to do is what the priests did when they faced their Jordan. It says they picked up the ark and they took the glory which is in the ark and they took it into troubled waters. Friends, we got to take this gospel into troubled areas. we got to take this gospel into our workplaces this morning. we got to take it into the streets of Balnahinch. we got to take it into the highways and the byways this morning. You see, when we get in contact with the glory, you're not going to be afraid, friends, to face your challenges anymore. You'll not be afraid of troubles and situations because you'll know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Even though this morning you might feel like you're on the brink. Even though everything might be going on all around you. You will know everything is going to work out. Because you're in contact with the glory. They couldn't be afraid to stand on the brink. Normally that river would be going four to five mile an hour. But now that river was at rush stage. Something you would normally be afraid of. But when you're in contact with the glory. There is a boldness and fearlessness that will come upon you where all you want to do is completely obey God. So they stood on the brink. They were on the brim. They were on the edge. They had taken the first step out of the wilderness. They had left their comfort zone and stepped into troubled waters. They were no longer passive but active participants. And once they got into the water, the Lord told them, you don't have to go very far into that water. He said you don't need to go ankle deep. You don't even need to go knee deep. You don't need to go waist deep. God said you just step into it. You just step into that troubled water. And I will do the rest. He said stand still. Just stand still in the Jordan. Once you get in the water. You just stand still. Stand still and see. The salvation of the Lord. God's word says be still. And know 
that I am God. Paul wrote to the Galatians in troubled times of persecution and great upset and trials. He said, just get into the midst of the trouble and stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set you free. Friends, we got to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set us free. God said, get into the water. Make personal contact with the glory, and I will make everything all right. He said, and hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. You know that Lord didn't leave one enemy out. He didn't leave one people group out this morning. He said, every enemy, every oppression, every hindrance, every defeat that stands in your way of the promised land, God says, I will overcome this morning. He said, just stand. Just stand on the edge of the trouble. Just stand and I'm going to do something that will prove to you that I'm among you. And I'm going to do something that will prove to you that I will without fail defeat every single one of your enemies. Just stand and I will heal your sicknesses. Just stand and I will deliver you from all your anxieties. Just stand and I will set you free from your depression. Friends, we need the glory. We need to get into troubled waters and we need to stand. Just stand in the evil day. Friends, don't compromise. Don't quit. Don't give in. Though the waves are splashing all around you, just stand. Don't give in. Don't cave in to the pressure. Don't let the devil rob you any longer. Stand fast in your conviction. Just stand in your faith. Stand fast in the promises of God. God says, just stand and I will do the rest. Friends, I believe he's about to do something that hasn't happened before. He's going to do something to prove to you that without fail, he will drive out all your enemies before you. You see, we're so isolated. We're so isolated in our thinking. We're so concerned about our own situations, our own problems. We seldom think or often think about God's bigger picture. Seldom do we realize that we are not actually all of the body. We think we're all of the body. But friends, we are only part of the body. He's going to do something to prove to you that he's going to do something greater. We often think that we are all of the body. And in that case, that we are not actually all of the body, but you and I individually are only part of the body. And in that case, when breakthroughs come to one of us, then it should be a sign that greater breakthroughs are going to come to all. God said, I'm going to defeat all your enemies and not just yours. Not just David's, not just the Leans, but Victoria's, but Hassan's, but, but David's, but Lid's, but Christine's. He says, not just yours and yours, but yours and yours and yours. He's going to defeat all our enemies this morning. God said, I'm going to defeat all your enemies. And when somebody breaks through to healing, it's not just meant to be an isolated incident. It should mean that healing streams are going to flow to you all. It means we need to get into the river because when somebody gets a victory, it means that there's more victories on the way. When some unsaved soul is brought to the altar, when some family gets household salvation, it should be a sign that our house is next. Friends, are you next in line for a miracle today? Just stand. Just stand in the evil day. Just stand under the pressure. 
just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. They're carrying the ark. They're carrying the glory to the Jordan. And listen, when the glory was raised above the river, something supernatural happened. You see, they're not just carrying it like pallbearers carry a coffin. They're not just carrying it behind them. They're not just trailing it like, like, a, like a hearse or a tow bar, friends. They're carrying the power and the glory of God upon their shoulders. And they're not just carrying it. They lift it up and they walked into that Jordan. And in that instance, it was, not as, just, it was as if not just some of them, but all of them were there. You see, we're not just going through this thing by ourselves. But all of us are there this morning. We're praying one for another that the body might be healed. We're contending for the unity of the faith and the bond of the Spirit this morning. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just 80 that were filled. It wasn't just 100 that were filled, but 120 were with one mind and one accord. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, God hasn't finished. It was prayed this morning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is going to do it all again one more time. They were all in the river. And when they raised the ark above the river, something supernatural happened. That descender, that diner, all the barriers, all those muddy, murky waters that kept them in the wilderness for 40 years, when they raised the glory above the trouble, there was a supernatural miracle and manifestation. The current of that river reversed, and the waters, instead of coming down, they began to roll back on themselves. You see, friends, I've got to say this this morning. It's time for the people of God to get their feet wet and say once again, it's time for their Jordan to rule. I'm telling you today, if you will exalt Jesus, if you will lift him up, if you'll put him up above all your trouble this morning, if you'll put him above all your anxiety this morning, if you'll put Jesus above all your symptoms this morning, above every situation this morning, God's going to reverse the current. He's going to reverse the trend. Instead of you going down, 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 the waters of doubt and despair, they're going to back up and the Lord is going to make a way where there seems no other way. But friends, we've got to lift them up. We've got to lift them up above all their trouble. When they lifted him up, friends, not one enemy went before him. You see, he said, you stand behind it. You stand 2,000 paces behind that ark that you might know the way to go. But friends, it was an evidence. You see, normally there would be three tribes in front of that ark, three tribes behind it, three to the side and three to the right. And they would be defending that ark and protecting it whenever they went into new areas. But friends, this time the Lord was saying, you're not going to defend me. I'm going to defend and I'm going to protect you. And you just keep your eye on me because I'm going to show you the way to go. For a distance, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Friends, we've got to lift them up. Are we lifting them up in our workplace, in, our, in the street, wherever we may go? He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them all onto myself. They stood firm for a distance of 30 miles. The current reversed and the water stayed upon a heap. All the priests did was they just stand. They just stood firm. See, friends, every wind, every doctrine, every pressure is coming against the people of God. Every, every trial, every struggle. 
But friends, I want to tell you the pressure is brewing. You know why? Because he knows his time is short. But he says, just stand firm. Stand firm in the liberty that Christ has set you free. For 30 miles the current reversed and the water stayed upon the heap. And all the priests did was just stand firm. They stood firm on, on, on dry ground. They stood firm on solid ground. Friends, we need to stand firm. We need to say to the Lord, I'm not going to fall back. I'm going to stand firm. We need to say to the Lord this year, I'm not going to backslide. At the end of this year, Lord, I'm going to stand firm. We need to say to the Lord, I'm not going back to the slime pit that you dug me out of. I'm going to stand firm. Lord, I'm not going back to the darkness of that isolated cave. You know what, Lord? I'm going to stand firm in the liberty that Christ has set me free. Lord, I'm not returning back. I'm not going back. I'm going to stand firm. And what happened was this this morning. You can't miss this this morning. The Lord told him, okay, you focus on that ark. You stay at distance of about 2,000 cubits so you shall know the way to go. But I want to point out to you that they didn't stay that distance from the ark. Because when the ark was lifted up above the waters, when the priest stood firm and dry ground, everyone had to pass by the ark to go from one side to the other. And what it means is this. This is the closest they came to the Lord. This is the closest they came to the glory was in the midst of the Jordan. The closest they came to Jesus was in the midst of their trial. You got problems this morning. You got things weighing you down. You're going to be closer to him in the midst of the trouble than you've ever been. The wee song says, I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. I'm finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And the Lord said, when those waters roll back, Joshua, the whole nation of Israel is going to know, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. The crossing of the Jordan was no less of a miracle than the crossing of the Red Sea. And Joshua, just as I made a way where there was no way for your forefathers, I'm going to make a way for you. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Just as the waters of the Red Sea congealed and they rolled back and stood on a heap, so the people could walk on dry ground. I'm going to do it one more time. Friends, he's going to do it one more time this morning. God hasn't finished this morning. He can do it all again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, friends, they're crossing over. There's a time of transition. We've got to see the day in which we're in. We all believe we're living in the last days. The laws that are being changed, the shaking of the nations, earthquakes, diverse places, national disasters. Friends, we're living in the last days. But friends, it was a time of harvest. And in that great last day, God says there's going to be a mighty revival. There's going to be a sweeping in of souls. And then he's going to come back for his bride, the glorious church. What amazed me most as I studied this out, there's much pressure. There's much pressure on every believer, on every believer. So saying to a couple of people, it's like a big blanket. Everybody's under pressure. I'm under pressure. 
I'm under pressure all the time. <laughs> and I squeak sometimes when I'm under pressure. Everybody's under pressure. Friends, we've got to see the time. We're in the right time and at the right place. What amazed me most as I studied out these, apparently the tectonic plates, David would maybe know what I'm talking about here, that compromise the earth's surface, the plates that make the world up. There are 12 plates, and anybody that remembers first-year geography, because i done first-year, and only first, but I remember this. It's when those plates rub together. I don't know if I'll get all the facts right. David will probably correct me later, but this is what I remember. Whenever all those plates rub together, that's when earthquakes and volcanoes and all that sort of stuff starts to happen. The pressure starts to build up of all the molten lava and all the iron, and it starts to bubble. That's what's happening. The pressure's starting to bubble. problem is, when my pressure bubbles, I start to go shoot off. The Lord's doing the work. It's when those plates rub together, pressure builds up, and the core of the earth's surface starts to move. Those plates on a sea of molten lava and of molten iron squeeze up through these fault lines or gaps between these plates. Fault lines or gaps that join them together. And when the pressure builds up, it's when all the great earthquakes and tremendous pressure happens. But friends, I want to tell you this morning, although there's tremendous pressure building up, God is in control. Although you're, there's trouble in your life, God is in control. Although there's trembling and shaking, although there's maybe sickness in your life, friends, I want to tell you this morning, God is in control of all the pressure. The world is groaning for his return. But it's so amazing to me is that the fault line, the fault line or the join that runs under the Red Sea, that's where all these plates meet. It's the same fault line that runs under the Red Sea that run under the Jordan. It was the same fault line. So when God shook the Red Sea, friends, it was just a prophecy that Jordan was next. But there's something next on that same fault line. There was an earthquake on the day of Pentecost. And the church was filled with his power and his anointing. And 2,000 souls were swept into the kingdom. And the church, friends is on the same fault line. Friends, the church is on that fault line today. The 1859 revival, friends, were on the same fault line. In 1902, the American evangelists Reuben Archer Torrey and Charles McCallan Alexander conducted meetings in Melbourne, Australia, resulting in more than 8,000 converts. Friends, were on the same fault line. Tory and Alexander were later involved in the beginnings of the Great Welsh Revival in 1904, where many souls were swept into the kingdom and a country transformed for God. Friends, we're on the same fault line. In 1906, the Azusa Street Revival, the birthing of modern Pentecostalism and hunger and a hunger and thirsting for more of the Spirit, we were on the, the same fault line. And I had to get this wee fact from Tim. I texted him this week. And in 1925, in a tent mission in Balna Hinch, taken by W.P. Nicholson, 500 souls were wonderfully born again. I want to tell you this morning, this church is on the same fault line. Friends, what God did back then, he's going to do one more time. But friends, it's time for the people of God do we know the time? 
is a time of harvest. The fields are white on the harvest, but the laborers are few. Friends, we've got to get the glory. We've got to get in contact with the glory. We've got to lift them up. He says, all men, I'll draw them all onto myself. We've got to say, roll, Jordan, roll. That's it this morning.